Welcome to the Taliesin Insights Podcast, conversations designed to help families build on their success and leave a more meaningful legacy. I'm your host, Adam Tarno, and today I am joined by Taliesin's president, Richard Joyner, as well as the firm's director of philanthropy and family engagement, Susan wells Genevine. Today we're going to talk about one of the most surprising ways to prepare your family for wealth transfer and to preserve wealth throughout generations. I think this is going to be an insightful and helpful conversation for all of you. So take a listen to this, and I'll be back with a few closing comments. Susan, Richard, it's great to be with you guys today. So Susan, we're going to talk about philanthropy and one of the ways that philanthropy can help train up the next generation, which uh, sounds a little counterintuitive because a lot of times when I think of philanthropy, I just think of here's the good it can do in the world. But you see something different in your experience. And when you work with your clients, you see, yes, it does good in the world, but it also helps train up the next generation. So why don't you talk about that? Share some stories. How are you seeing this impact families? Adam, we do see that. And it, and it, it helps prepare the next generation in a couple of ways. One, by having impact on the whole family. Uh, families so enjoy giving together and making an impact in their communities and changing the world for good together that that creates such family goodwill. And that's important uh, in other aspects of family, especially with families with other resources they have to manage together. But it also provides practice and skill sets. You have to have a little bit of financial skill set to understand how the portfolio of the foundation is invested. There are taxes involved. Uh, oftentimes there's working with advisors like tax folks and uh, or investment professionals. And then my other, actually my favorite skill that's uh, involved is uh, joint decision-making. There's a requirement to give and no matter how large the foundation, there are always needs that exceed the, the amount that can be given and that healthy uh, communication around how we're going to do this is really a great practice for families. Yeah. Yeah. And that's really good. And Richard, it kind of goes along with something I've heard you say before, too, that philanthropy can be a perfect transaction. So why don't you talk about that? It's the closest thing to a perfect transaction that we found. The reason for it is that obviously the first thing that you're doing is you're doing good in the world. You're supporting causes that are important to you or to the family and making a difference and allowing, allowing progress, whether it's medical research or whether it's feeding the hungry, whatever it is, uh, so you start there. But in addition to that, you're you're creating a whole ecosystem that is so healthy for the family because you're bringing you're bringing the family together around things that are important. So you're benefiting not only the charities that you're supporting, it's a huge benefit to the family. They have the opportunity to come together, they have the opportunity to talk about shared values, they have the opportunity to consider alternative charities and they learn extremely, uh, extremely strong uh, decision-making skills. And all of those things are really important. If I, if I step back and I look at philanthropy in the context of a bigger, uh, bigger set of issues around a multi-generational family, having those skills translates into other areas as well. It's not just related to philanthropy, but it helps make the family as a whole more successful and, and builds a stronger fabric that keeps the family together long-term. Yeah. So Susan, let's get into some of the practical. So uh, some of our listeners are going, okay, yeah, I'd love to train up the next generation. I also want to be generous. I want to uh, be able to participate that way. I'm, I, uh, I'm agreeing with you guys. So now how would I do it? Uh, it's not just as easy as opening up your checkbook and starting to write checks, right? There are some options out there for families who want to participate in, uh, in philanthropy. So what are some of the common options that are out there for families? So the best vehicle in our point of view for this is the Private Family Foundation. Uh, because that's a, a legal organization that has directors, often family members or trustees, that have to get together 
on an annual basis and make decisions about giving. And there's something magical about that legal requirement, that little bit of governance that they do together, but produces this great decision-making, joint decision-making skill that Richard's talking about. Um, and it really allows rich conversations around values because that, that's where giving typically comes from. Um, another option, and often paired with the private family foundation, is a vehicle called a donor-advised fund, which is kind of easier to think about in terms of a giving fund. Uh, it's a little bit easier to set up and has some other um, aspects with, that have flexibility around them. Um, it doesn't have those donor advised funds don't have the same governance requirements. And so while we see families, some families who are able to use a donor advised fund to act as if it were a foundation and have meetings and have these rich discussions, anecdotally, we're observing that families don't as often do that. But paired with a private family foundation, a donor advised fund can give families, especially with young members, some flexibility to practice giving in that context. Um, and other flexibility that we like to see. So there's a place for each one of them. Yeah. And, and it sounds like in, you know, buried in some of this formality beto- uh, between the foundation and a donor advised fund, that's where the opportunity for skill building truly is, right? Because when you talk about a foundation, it almost sounds like a small business. You got to have a board of directors, you got to have trustees and meetings and minutes and all that kind of stuff. And so that may sound like uh, complicated to some families, but that's where the opportunity for skill building is, right? It is, and I think um, it can sound more complicated than it needs to be. It, it doesn't have to be complicated, but you're correct. Those requirements of one or two meetings a year and and the required giving produce the benefits. That's where the good is. Yeah. Along with the conversations, Richard, right? I mean, because th- that's uh, what you guys have seen time and time again, is that when families can get together and just talk about this, there's usually some benefit that comes from it. And so some of these vehicles and these more formal arrangements, whether they be a foundation or a donor advice fund, they may, they may just help drive conversations, which typically always benefit the family. No question, Adam. The, um, the interesting thing and the exciting thing about philanthropy, as we're describing it, is that it attracts young people. The younger members of the family are attracted to participate in this process because it is the chance for them to learn to express their viewpoints. It's a chance for them, for their families to hear their voices. And so this is something that they're drawn to as opposed to certain types of education and training, financial training particularly, uh, that, that a lot of young people don't necessarily consider uh, attractive or appealing on its face. And so the, the added benefit of that appeal uh, is just strengthens the whole process. At the same time, it doesn't have to be complicated. If you're just starting out, if you want to, if you want to just start out simply, um, I see lots of families where the parents give a certain amount of money to the kids and say, "You can designate the charity." You can do that around your ki- your kitchen table. I see lots of families where the older family generation, the older generation family members, Take the younger family members on due diligence visits. Let's go look at a hospital. Let's go look at a school we're interested in. And, and so giving, giving the whole family the ability to participate in the process is really the key point. The foundations and the donor advised funds help put some structure around that, which I think enhanced the process. But it's not necessary to start there. You can do that as a, as a part of a progression as the family develops and, and gets an idea of what it wants to do together. Yeah. Yeah. And so, Susan, you've talked about before that even just three simple words to, to introduce three simple words uh, for a family to have some conversations around this can be helpful. What, what are those three words? 
So we'd like to talk to families about the process of teaching the youngest children, you know, as soon as they can understand um, that concept of money, the, the steps of save, spend, and share. Those are, those are three activities that children as, as early as four years old can understand if they've got money, that it has three different purposes and what the purpose of the funds relative to themselves is and, and what the priorities can be for them. And that can start, like I said, as early as four years old and continue through the allowance years. And it can continue to be talked about in terms of family values. And I wanna say a little something to what Richard was just saying as well. Not only does philanthropy attract young people into the conversation because they have, um, they have a great deal of interest in making the world better. Um, I like to assure grandparents and parents that it's the best way I know together to practice the transmission of the parents and grandparents values. In my experience, nearly, I can't think of an instance in which the, the younger generations did not want to know what their grandparents and parents values are and make sure that in their giving, and especially in terms of a private family foundation, is in line with those. They wanna know what they are and they wanna honor that. And uh, to me, the interest of the young generation and the transmission of values and the honoring of values in that process is so powerful. Susan, don't you think that's true, even if their values are somewhat different? It, it doesn't ever mean that the values are fixed forever because a younger generation may have a slightly different take on some things. But knowing what the, what the core values are that started the family or started with the wealth creator in many cases um, gives you a starting, a starting point that gives you some grounding. It's a touchstone that I see families go back to time and again. Uh, and you're right, they interpret, they have to interpret the, the founder of, of wealth values or the family's, um, the grandparents' values in their current situation because things change. But they, they honor those so often. It's very powerful to see families do. So you guys were also talking about some really creative ways also to have productive conversations, talk about your values, and that can be done through this uh, socially responsible investing, which kind of falls under this umbrella a little bit here of philanthropy. So why don't you guys talk about that? So socially responsible investing, it's just a term for investing your money in companies, securities, different uh, investment vehicles that reflect your values. In the last five to 10 years, we've seen quite a bit of increase in that sort of interest in our families. You see it often in philanthropy because it's a context in which families are really focused on, are we accomplishing in the world what our values are? You know, what are our resources meant to do in the world? And they've started looking not just at their giving, but at how the, the funds of their uh, foundations are invested to say, am I achieving on my investment side the same thing I want to achieve with my giving? And, and, and heaven forbid, I am achieving something opposite of what I'm trying to achieve with my giving and my investing. But it's not limited just to their philanthropic investments. Uh, we are seeing families uh, ask themselves, what is what does our wealth mean to us and how do we want to reflect that in the world and how is that reflected in our investments? And so as an example, if, if a family is concerned about um, biomedical research or um, gender equity, their finances, their financial investments can reflect those values, either in their philanthropic investments or just personally. Yeah, I think of it as alignment. You see lots of families who want to make sure that their values and the things that are important to them are expressed across their entire ecosystem, their financial, their whole financial lives. And so they don't want to see all these things compartmentalized and going in different directions. So this, this socially responsible or impact investing allows them 
to create that alignment that I think many young people particularly, but many people in general are looking for. And it's important to note, because often I, the question associated with um, expressing your values through your investments, you don't have to concede returns. It, it is not a compromise in an investment strategy. You can, you can often achieve both goals. Yeah, which is important to note in all of this. So Susan, what would you say to somebody who's listening right now? Uh, they're really intrigued by what you're saying. They want to train up the next generation. They want to be generous. Uh, but they're maybe a little overwhelmed at the thought of starting something formal. Where can they start today? I'd just like to encourage people to start with a family conversation, maybe at a meal, about what their family values are. What is the story of their family? Uh, every family has a story and what values are reflected in the difficulties they've overcome or in the great victories they've shared. Um, and how do they want to continue to reflect that in their lives? I think you can start with a really rich family conversation. And if they are interested in other vehicles, we, we talk with families about that every day at Tolleson. So um, there are advisors and we're happy to do it to, to talk with people about navigating through starting those uh, vehicles. And it's really not as difficult as it could sound. Well, guys, this has been a uh, really helpful conversation. I know it's going to help a lot of people that are listening. Uh, either of you guys have any final thoughts for our listeners? It, just that I think philanthropy is so powerful because it makes the world a better place, but it, it builds the family. It transmits values across generations, and it builds a tight family bond through shared great experience. I just don't know a better way to, to operate together in a family uh, to produce health in, in all the individuals of the family, but the family itself. Well, Richard, Susan, it was great to be with you guys today. Thank you so much. Thank you, Adam. Once again, thank you to Richard and Susan for jumping in the studio today. It was great to talk with you guys. If you need any help navigating a decision about how your family can do more good in the world while also training up the next generation, or if you have any other questions and would like to talk to one of the professionals at Tolleson Wealth Management, please visit Tolleson Wealth, that's T-O-L-L-E-S-O-N, wealth.com to start that conversation. Thank you so much for listening to the Tolleson Insights Podcast. Never miss an episode by subscribing wherever you listen to podcasts. And as a reminder, the views and opinions expressed on today's episode do not necessarily reflect the views of Tolleson Wealth Management. The information we discussed today is for informational purposes only. This is not a solicitation or an effort to buy a security or instrument or to participate in any trading strategy. As always, you should consult your professional advisor before making any tax, legal, financial planning or investment decisions. That's all for this episode. We'll talk to you again next time.